Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. But now let us go into the scripture in which we will read from Acts 16, 11 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, we put it on the screen for you. Oh, and there's free Bibles as well, so you guys can grab a Bible as well. We set sail from Taurus and took straight course to Samothrace. The following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was the city of Theretra and a dealer in a purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was, what was said by Paul. When she and her household was baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Thank you. Anyway, now we're going to begin. My name is Jarrell. I am the Church Start resident here. I'm a pastor at Urban Village Church, and I have the joy of serving this community. Um, Before we dive into what God is saying to us in this scripture today, I want us to open with a word of prayer. Um, Yes, I'm going to sing this prayer because singing calms me. You're welcome to join in if you know it is... The tune of the old 100th, the doxology, one of my favorite prayers. Um, if you don't know it, then you can just like move your lips and like say watermelon, and nobody's going to judge you because chances are they are not singing either. Uh, <laughs> let, let us pray. Mm, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God, we give you thanks for who you are, for what you've done, for the things that you have given us, for the space that we're in, for the people we're around. Bless this time, in Christ's name, amen. 
puff bars or whatever the knockoff was. So I'm like, ooh, is it my birthday? We're getting brand names. She keeps loading up juices and milk and ice cream. And I thought that we were going to throw a party. I was so excited. And then she goes to the register, swipes the card without whipping out any coupons. And so now I'm thinking she's sick. Like maybe we're, she's about to die and this is the last meal. Uh, but we keep going. We turn off of the 405, praise be to God, and we drive into this like country area that's just darker than the city. We keep going, keep going, and pull up to a house that I had never seen before. And my mom said, help me get these grocery bags out. So we grab these grocery bags and we just start leaving them on this porch. And I'm like, oh, this is where the party's happening. Yeah, it's clearly where we're going to consume the brand name cereal. But we keep loading, keep loading. And then my mom says, okay, we're done. Now let's get back in the car and go. And I'm like, won't the ice cream melt if we don't like get this into a freezer? She's like, oh, you're right. So she rings the doorbell and turns to run back to our bright red Winston <laughs> And my mom isn't the fastest human being. Um, <laughs> So she's trying to run and with two kids in her arm, like run back to the minivan, and the door opens, and our cousin sees her and sees all of these groceries laid out. And she starts to cry. She says, Ramona, is that you? My mom was like, you can see me? <laughs> You're the only person here with a bright red minivan. Yes, we can see you. <laughs> like, I can't believe you did this for us. And I remember seeing small kids come out and being so excited to see food on the porch. What I didn't know was that hours before, for the first time in years, my mom got a phone call from this side of the family. They're not cousins with her at all. They're actually my cousins, third cousins to my dad. And so they aren't my mom's family. But they told her that they were in need, that they had lost their jobs, that they weren't able to provide groceries for their kids, that they weren't even able to get school supplies. And my mom, being the Christian woman she is, thought that this would not stand. So she got her own resources together and dragged us on a school night downtown, past downtown, to deliver groceries to other people. Very similar to the story of Lydia. Now, Lydia doesn't get half the credit she deserves. It's believed that Lydia is the first person in all of Europe to convert to Christianity. She doesn't get any of the praise that Paul gets. Nobody talks about her or makes statues about her in St. Peter's Basilica, but Lydia is an important woman. She works hard for what she has. Making purple cloth is not easy because purple does not like just pop out of the ground. You have to work to make cloth purple. The area of where she lives in is known for its purple cloth, but it's super expensive and hard to produce because while blue pops up naturally in that area, red is hard to find. And so people that make purple cloth are experts in the work that they do. They're trained professionals. 
It's said that they dye so well that even their fingers show what they do for a living, that people can look at their hands and say, that is a person who makes purple cloth, as you can see purple on them. You can see the color of royalty stained on their bodies. Lydia knows what she is about. Uh, as a person who grew up in a more conservative-leaning church, we don't get stories about the women in the Bible besides like Esther and Ruth. And the New Testament is really just like, oh, it's Jesus, 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 and Paul. But let me tell you, Lydia is a hero of the faith. She teaches us so many lessons, uh, being willing to receive what God is doing in the world, being able to listen to what others are saying and to turn ourselves around, about being generous people and using the resources that we have been blessed with to be blessings to other people. What I find most interesting about her really isn't the fact that she was the first to convert to Christianity, but it's still about the purple cloth. And that might give away a secret that I really like clothes. But purple cloth is also important in the Bible. If we rewind in our time machine and go back to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, there's this very beautiful poem written that talks about what the ideal wife is like. And I just want to put a little pin in the sermon right here and say that this passage of scripture has been used to abuse people before, to hold women to an unrealistic standard of beauty, an unrealistic work ethic. It doesn't really celebrate Realism, because it's an idealistic poem, not necessarily one steeped in historical fact. That being said, the Proverbs 31 woman is considered a woman worthy of praise. It says in Proverbs, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens up her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all of her household are clothed in crimson, and she makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Lydia, like the hypothetical Proverbs 31 woman, is a person that works hard for what she has and works hard to invest in the things that matter. Her investments aren't made out of an, a sense of selfishness, but out of a place of faithfulness to God. God has given me these resources, therefore I'm going to invest them wisely. These women knew that all that they had were gifts from God. All of their talents, all of their wealth, all of their resources, all of their access to the community squares, all that they have, either directly or indirectly, have been given to them by God. And because of that, it changes the way that they utilize them. And as people blessed by God, I think we are also called to recognize that all that we have is a gift, either directly or indirectly from God, and that what we give into the world, the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our money, the love that we share with other people, needs to be done wisely. Not like stingily, we're not called to be Scrooges, but we're called to be prudent. 
It's a vocab word. I'm so excited. Uh, we're called to look at the way that we spend our time and to use our time wisely. Like, thinking about how my Sabbath sometimes goes, not all the time, but sometimes goes, Netflix can get a lot of my time. And while I think that Luke Cage is an amazing show, I'm not quite sure that like five straight hours should be dedicated to it. I don't think that that is a wise investment of what God has given me. Like Lydia, like the Proverbs 31 woman, like my mother, all of us have gifts to give. You can remember in 2011, at Lake Charles, we had a family reunion. All of the family was called back to Louisiana where the matriarch of our family started it all. She had been a sharecropper, the first freeborn child in her family. And she was told she could never have babies. And lo and behold, she had one. And that one started our family. But she is considered the matriarch. We go back to Lake Charles, and all the families gathered, and my family shows up late because we're of my family. And we walk into the door, and the cousin that I saw years ago, crying on a porch, was there. And she turns, Ramon, I'm so glad you're here. And the younger cousins that I saw, that I didn't know, because we were in a strange family at that point, came out. And now they're in adulthood, and they look at my mom, and the first thing she says is, I remember. You brought us food when we were hungry. And at that point, I had never been more proud to be my mother's child. That the one thing she was remembered for is that she saw someone in need and she met that need. How much more am I called to be a person that looks for people in need and works to meet those needs. As Christians, how much more are we called to look for people in need and meet those needs? When I think about the space known as Urban Village Church, a space that seeks to be bold and inclusive and relevant, I think of a space that has been prepared by people that need to meet others' needs. Why do we need to be inclusive? Because there are people out there who need a space to be included. There are people out there who have been told that they're not welcome, that they're not loved, that their HIV status stops them from entering into the kingdom. They have been told that their sexual orientation is lesser than. They've been told that their disability is a sign of a lack of faith. They've been told that because they're a woman, they can't do X, Y, or Z, or that they need to submit to 
to a man's authority in order to receive a gift from God. They've been told all sorts of lies that hinder them from entering into the reality that they are beloved creation. They have needs, and as people of God, it is our job to meet those needs, to say there is a space prepared for you, that God has laid out a table, and everyone is welcome to enter in and sit down, and that there is food for all to consume, that this table doesn't just belong to our church, but that it's for everybody who feels that they need to be loved. It's for everyone who feels lost or alone or unwelcome. Does that not sound like something getting, worth getting excited about? That God's love isn't meant to be trapped in this room. It's meant to be shared with the people out there. As a six-year-old, though, and even as a 24-year-old, I can be petty. Right? Because I remember driving to that house and dropping off Cocoa Puffs. Everyone was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Y'all remember. <laughs> Y'all remember. Why am I stuck with the knockoffs and they get the brand names, okay? Why did she give them steak, though? I love steak. I know there are vegetarians in here, but let me tell you, meat eaters love steak. Am I right? Or am I right? Like, hello, filet. She got them the best of the best and left it on a porch? I'm the child here. Shouldn't she be taking care of me? It's my money. I'm the one who works nine to five, like Dolly Parton. I deserve to spend my money on whatever giant Dolly Parton wig I want. Like, I, you see, y'all see how, how I'm petty? And I'm thinking about like this, this idea of creating an intentional space. Intentionality means that something has to be given we can't just like accidentally throw something together and then say it was intentional. Like, peace treaties aren't accidentally signed. People have to work at it. People don't know that they're welcome accidentally. Someone has to say, oh, welcome. I'm so glad to see you here. Or would you come with me to this space? Or I know that you've been hurt before, but I promise that my community is different. Intentionality takes deliberate steps, a deliberate leaning in. You don't accidentally invite Paul the Apostle to stay at your house. Because Paul hasn't been everywhere. You don't accidentally bring groceries to family members. You don't accidentally set aside money to charity. You have to be deliberate about it. You have to be prudent. And so when I think about the space known as Urban Village Church, located in the city of Chicago in four locations, and when I think about Urban Village Church in Andersonville that has been at Bethany Retirement Center for the last five years, I think of a place that has been deliberate, a place that has purposefully shown up at Pride every year 
handing out signs that say to people who were told that they were going to burn in hell, that there was no hope for them, you're welcome. Jesus loves you. I remember it was the first thing I did as a part of Urban Village Church. And I was uh, foolishly walking in front of Pastor Emily of Hyde Park Woodlawn. And uh, she looks like she's quiet, but let me tell you, her voice carries, and especially at Pride. And we're walking through Pride, and so it's loud, naturally. And so she had to be louder than everyone else. And she screamed, God loves you. And it threw people off. Because normally when you hear the word God at Pride, it's followed by hates fags. And there's a line of like people holding these black signs with flames on them uh, that are, uh, look like they were created on like paint, <laughs> Windows 98 paint. They got like the little fake flames up there. And I'm like, y'all could at least hire a designer. But then I realized <laughs> that the designer would probably be gay and that just wouldn't stand. Um, but for her to shout that phrase, it literally, you could see the visceral reaction. God, people cringed, loves you. And the shoulders came down. And I remember turning and seeing this woman who almost made me deaf for a second, grabbed by a stranger and hugged because that person hadn't heard the message. It takes intentionality. And it takes people that are willing to be generous. Generous with their time, with their resources, with their gifts, with their extremely loud voices, with their groceries. It takes people putting pettiness aside for the sake of love. But that's why I think it's pertinent that it is an absolute mandate that we give to the communities that we call our faith homes because it's our first mandate to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ with our lives, the way that we live, the way that we interact with people. But they're also called to make a space for people who are seeking out that good news. They might not even know they're seeking it out, to be honest. The best things in life kind of cut you by surprise, you know? The $20 that you accidentally left in your winter coat that you discover once it gets cold outside. Sometimes the gospel is like that extra 20 bucks. Sometimes the gospel looks like a cousin you haven't seen in years showing up and meeting a need. Sometimes the gospel looks like a woman who dyes purple cloth saying, come and stay with me. See if you have judged the Lord in me. Uh, I find it interesting that like, as people call to be bold, inclusive, and relevant, we got the inclusive part down. We got the relevant part down. But are we bold in the way that we proclaim our inclusive and relevant gospel? Are we bold about creating spaces where people can come? Are we bold about giving of our time and our resources? Are we bold about sharing with people? I, I, oh, deep breath. I think that 
The great news is that bold and inclusive and relevant, that sharing is done together. Because one person will get discouraged, one person will be defeated, one person will epically fail to change the world and to make the world a better place. That's just going to happen. Like, we celebrate MLK, but MLK didn't do it alone, all right? Like, if y'all think that MLK did it all alone, y'all need to check a history book. Y'all need to check his journals, check his sermons, because he didn't do it all alone. And even if we look in the gospel, Jesus didn't travel by himself. Jesus went with other people. And we think, oh, well, yeah, and all it takes is 12. Eh, psych, Jesus had more than that. It takes more than one person to change the world, y'all. Mother Teresa can't fix India by herself. May she rest in peace. Uh, it takes a community of faith, intentionally leaning into what God is doing. It takes a group of people saying, this will not stand. It takes a group of people telling our mayor, we need to change the way that police are interacting in certain communities. It takes a group of people saying that our public schools need to be funded. It takes a group of people saying that our children need to be supported, that people who are fostering our children, people who are adopting our children, children need to be supported. Social workers cannot live on food stamps. You need to pay them. It takes a group of people to hold our government accountable. It takes a group of Christians to create a space where all are welcome. It takes a group of people to turn around the message. Because so many people have heard this lie that they aren't welcome, that they aren't whole, that they're broken, that God doesn't love them, that they're going to burn in hell for all eternity because they held hands with so-and-so or because they're married to this person and that person's not right. Because lies are easier to spread than the truth, it takes a group of people working to promote the truth. Ooh, I should have wrote that down. <laughs> in tithing, is this word that's a little bit loaded. And it's also a word that has a lot of lies surrounding it. Y'all heard some lies about tithing in your lifetime? If you don't give X, Y, and Z, sister, you ain't saved. If you didn't give as much as sister so-and-so, a brother him and her, and blah, blah, bleep a doop a doop then this X, Y, and Z, you know. I know y'all done heard some of this stuff. But the important thing about tithing isn't about how much you give. It's about making that commitment to God, to people in our faith community, and to the people outside of those doors. Because when we give, we're not just giving for the person sitting next to us. We're not just giving so that Jarrell can get a really cute scarf. We're giving to make a space for other people. We're giving to create a place where people can come and fall in love with the God who made them and who knows how many hairs are on their head. We are giving to make a space where people can be made whole, where people can feel seen, where people can eat. Giving hurts a little. It isn't meant to be like easy. It isn't meant to be like, oh my God, I can't wait to just whoop. You should feel it. 
It's not meant to like make you broke. You're not going to like devastate your bank account. But it's meant to be something deliberate, you know? You lean in, like all of our spiritual practices cause us to lean into what God is doing in the world. Giving of our finances, of our time, of the love that we have been shown is a deliberate leaning in to what God is doing in the world. Mm. And what I love about this part is that giving isn't meant to be the leftovers. It's supposed to be the brand names. Don't give somebody your marshmallow mateys. You got to give them your lucky charms. You know, most Goodwills are filled to the brim with clothes that they actually have to throw away. That the vast majority of clothing donations offered in the United States are of clothes that are in such bad condition that people that work at the donation centers look at them and say, even the homeless would not want this. We can't give people the trash We can't give the church the trash. We have to give our best because we're making a space for healing. If you walked into a dirty hospital, you wouldn't get a flu shot from them. That's why they clean. People can't heal in dirty spaces. So when we come in, when we give of who we are, we're creating a space where people can find healing, can find hope, can find love. So I invite you to look at what you can give, ways that you can give of your time, of your witness, of your presence, of your finances to the mission and vision of God. I invite you to not only do this in individual ways like my mom did, but to do this in a corporate way by giving to this community. Because if we're going to change the city, if we're going to spread the love of God in Andersonville and in Chicago and in Illinois and in the Midwest and in the United States, and in the Western Hemisphere, and in the world, we can't do it only as individuals. We must do it as a collective. Because many hands make light work. If we're going to make this world a place that is more bold, inclusive, and relevant, it's going to take all of our gifts together. Just like faith cannot be lived alone, neither can changing the world. Amen? Thank you.